Welcome to Tilly Eats Trans Tuesdays. Today we have an interview with a speech pathologist who helped change my life. We're going to talk all about trans voices and how to safely work on changing them. So let's get into Trans Voices 3, Science and Tips. I'm Tilly Bridges, your host, and I'm joined by my writing partner, my best friend, my wife, our token cis representation, my partner in all things because I keep dragging her along with me, Susan Bridges. Hello. Hi. Our guest this week is Jane Yee, M-S-C-C-C-S-L-P. That sounds so fancy. A speech-language pathologist specializing in voice and swallowing disorders with a particular passion for gender-affirming voice training. Jane received her bachelor's degree from the University of California, San Diego, and her master's degree in speech-language pathology from Boston University. She holds a certificate of clinical competence from the American Speech-Language Hearing Association and a license from the state of California. And she has the honor of being our first cisgender guest ever. Welcome, Jane. (laughs) Hi. Thank you for having me. It's so great to talk to you again because we spoke to each other for an hour every few weeks for two years. And honestly, that's more than I get to speak to most of my friends sometimes. So I actually miss our little chats, you know, and you correcting me every time my voice slips. (laughs) I miss our conversations too. I, you know, people don't talk about it, but I feel like that's definitely a thing I think other speech pathologists probably go through too, where we think about our past clients and and the conversations we've had and you know our clients touch our lives too I don't think that's talked about enough either so yeah because you know when we're especially trying to get to using all of the techniques in conversation we're just talking and so you're asking me all these questions about what's going on in my life and you know how was your Christmas what were you and your wife up to with your writing careers and so it was always just like it was this personal discussion you know we talked about your vacation when you saw the turtles it was so great (laughs) yeah I've actually always been kind of yeah I've always asked you about your writing work and yeah yeah I'm just I want to watch all those tv shows that you know that you've written so (laughs) I'm still looking forward to yeah (laughs) yeah but it's funny, though, because, like, in, you know, voice training, yeah, like, speaking about things, it's like thinking and talking. It's like chewing gum and walking at the same That's time. the like, hardest part. So, yeah, it's like an opportunity for you to mess up. Right, you know, right. Because you're just thinking about and it. And she would always let me know when I did. So, it was very it was very helpful. <laughs> Yes, yes. Okay, so before we get any further, where can people find more about you online afterward if they would like more? I have a private clinic and I have yeah. an Instagram account that I'm working on with a few other colleagues, a couple other colleagues that has a little bit of information about 
trans voice training, gender affirming voice training. And that is the account where I, once the book, whenever it gets published. Yeah, yeah. Is where we're planning to put it. So I don't know which one I should. <laughs> I think I think the Instagram is probably good yeah, and yeah. people can just follow you there. And yeah. Okay. The Instagram handle is at affirmvoice. So A-F-F-I-R-M-V-O-I-C-E. Excellent. And yes, you have you have a book coming out about trans voice training, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I That's do. That's excellent. We don't know which way we're going to go with it yet, self-publishing sure. or through a publisher. So that's still something we're trying to figure out. Well, everyone should go follow you and keep an eye on that because I think that's going to be very helpful. But I hope this episode will be really helpful for people too. So I wanted to start off by asking how you got into speech pathology. You know, I originally got into speech pathology thinking I was going to work with children. Oh. I, I was in college. I was a psychology major. Okay. I was like, I'm not going to be able to do much with this when I graduate because that was back when we had our recession. Well, we're in another one, but um, back when we had our recession, that was 2008, yeah. I think. So I was like, yeah, no, psychology degree isn't going to get me anywhere. What can I do that I'll really enjoy? And I remembered in high school, one of my friend's moms was a speech pathologist. She came and spoke with our class, and I remember thinking it was interesting. So I volunteered at a private clinic near school. And I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was really amazing to watch these children come in so frustrated, you know, not having a voice, not being able to speak. Yeah. And they were moving these little, they're called pecs. They're moving these little pictures around and communi- they were having tantrums and they were using these things to communicate. Oh, this is what you wanted. Okay. And, right. you know, you can just see them calm down because they can communicate. And I saw like this mom was telling one of the speech pathologists at the clinic, you know, for the first time, my kid communicated with me. He told me he wanted to go to McDonald's. We were driving by McDonald's and he communicated that with me. And I could not. She's like, I was so excited that he communicated something to me. I pulled right in. I, I you know, I got him McDonald's. And now yeah. every time we go by a McDonald's, he communicates that. And I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> But to me, that was just so amazing, you know, giving yeah. giving these, not even just the children, but the whole family, a way to communicate, you know, they just, the amount it changes a person's life. I just thought that was just so wonderful, so beautiful. So that's how I got into speech pathology. That's really cool that, that you're able to do stuff like that for people because, you know, that, you know, I, I've said multiple times on this show and to you that your help changed my life but stuff like that is even bigger because it you're helping people in, in such an important way so that's it's really beautiful what you do thank so you. I just want you to know that thank you <laughs> so what made you after getting into speech pathology what made you want to focus on gender affirming voice training the hospital I work for yeah they just told us one day they announced to us we are going to start providing services for the transgender population. Okay. Speech therapy is going to be one of them. Have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. They were just like, good luck with that. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, you're a speech pathologist. You got, you, you know, you have your license. You should be able to figure it out sort of thing. And yeah, it was, (laughs) and they gave us like a one day sensitivity training and that was it. Wow. And so, of course, me being the person that I am, you know, I can't just provide 
not great care, right? Like I'm like, no, I need to do better. And so I did a lot of my own research, but truly, and, and you know, I, I was always, you know, I was happy to help, right? Yeah. I was always happy to help because as, a, as I said, I was a psychology major. And one of the courses was called Human Sexuality. And there was a panel in that class where they got people, all, all sorts of different people from the LGBT community. And they kind of had a Q&A session, I guess, is what it was. Sure. And they were telling their story and the people from the class could ask them questions. And I just remember being so moved by the by by what they were saying. You know, again, I've never had any issues. You know, I've always always was like, they're all people, you know, whatever. Like, you know, we're all we're all the same humans, like what yeah. does it matter? But listening to their stories really moved me. So it was, you know, I've always been a supporter of LGBT rights and all of that. But yeah, once I was given the opportunity, I was like, okay. Like, let's do this. I'm going to do this properly. So, yeah, I did a lot of my own research. And then my first client, my trans, my first trans client, she was amazing. She was the best first client I could have ever asked for. I, uh-huh. I was very honest with her. And I told her, hey, this is my first time. Like, I have never had any other experience with gender affirming training. If you still want to work with me, I will try my best. And she was like, sure. And she had done so much of her own research. She brought in so much. She gave me a lot of resources that I could check out on my own. She was the one that actually turned me on to Reddit so that I could go through a lot of the Reddit forums and see what the trans population, the trans community was, you know, was having access to, what they were yeah. thinking, you know. So that was really helpful. And she brought in a lot of YouTube videos like, Jane, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Mm-hmm. I was able to give her my kind of clinical point of view of like I'm not sure this is a great idea this I really like and then we're able to put that together and do something for her (laughs) she ended up being happy with her voice you know so I'm glad now I feel like I know so much more (laughs) than back then and I wish I could contact her again and be like hi (laughs) you know I I know a lot more now (laughs) but she's happy with her voice right so that's what matters that's what matters yeah that's all that matters so I'm not going to reach out to her all of a sudden you know it's just as long as she's happy I'm happy so that's great Okay, so I was wondering if you could get a little bit into the science of why the voices of people assigned male at birth and people assigned female at birth differ. Because I've talked about it a little bit in past episodes, but I am not an expert. So I was hoping that you could give, you know, people listening a little bit of that that information about why they're different. Okay, so before puberty, yeah, there actually is not that big of a difference in the pitch range. It's very similar. I've I've looked up research and the range, like they don't even have a lot of research on it because there really is not that much of a difference in the pitch range. Right. Now when puberty happens, life changes, right? Everything changes. Yeah. And so during that time, what happens to people who are assigned male at birth is that their vocal tract, so it starts from the lips all the way down to our vocal cord. I wish I had a little picture to show you. (laughs) Yeah. All of that, it gets longer and wider and then of course we also know about the vocal cords kind of increasing in mass essentially it it gets bigger everything gets bigger this is where my whole cello and violin analogy always comes in so if we look at a cello and a violin same shape or similar shape but what's the big difference cello is much larger a violin is smaller violin has thinner strings cello a cello has thicker strings right 
So you can think of the strings as the vocal cords. And you can think of the size of the actual instrument as your vocal tract. The cello has a richer, deeper sound because of the thicker strings and because the sound has a larger space to resonate sure. in. The violin has thinner strings and a smaller space to resonate in, therefore creating a thinner, higher-pitched, shriller sound. So for people who are assigned male at birth, they go the route of the cello. People who are assigned female at birth, they, well, it doesn't actually grow or anything, but you know, it, it, sure. it grows the normal progression, not it doesn't get especially bigger, especially thicker, anything like right. that. That's fascinating stuff. I love it. It's I'm a science nerd. And so I think stuff like that is incredibly cool. And I think that understanding that, like where it's all coming from, was really helpful to me, I think, just in understanding why my voice sounded the way I did. And, and you know, you don't really need to know that to work on changing your voice, but it definitely helped. It gave me a better sort of, I guess, mental picture, not picture, sound. I don't know to shoot for. So anyway, I think that was really helpful. So women's also change, but not as much or? Cis women, you mean? Yeah, because yeah. I'm thinking about like a kid's voice and a woman's voice. There's not that much difference. It, I think it deepens a little it, bit, it right? It does. It does deepen yeah. a little bit. As as cis women, you know, get older, our voices do deepen a little bit. They're actually, uh. <laughs> here. here's a, an anecdotal thing, but when I first started working at my hospital and I, I recorded my voicemail greeting I listened to that and then when I switched hospitals a few years ago it was like nine years later I listened to that recording because I had to reset it and it sounded so different it's like hi you've reached Jamie and then now it's like hi you've reached Jamie you know so yeah, yeah. it does it does change a little bit okay okay so hormone replacement therapy doesn't do anything for a trans woman's voice but it can deepen the voices of trans men or non-binary people who also take testosterone and I was wondering if you get a lot of trans men or non-binary patients, or do you mostly see trans women? I also see lots of trans men, lots of non-binary people. Yeah, all everybody in the spectrum. <laughs> That's great, because as one of the things that I learned, you know, going through the sessions with you is that it's not just about pitch. There's so much more involved to you know, trying to use your voice to maybe alleviate dysphoria or get gendered correctly. There's so much, you know, different things that go into it, which we'll get into in just a minute. But well, I just wanted to say that yeah. I'm like the cello and the violin example. Yeah. Also, it takes more force and effort to play the larger instrument. And I'm thinking the voice is the same way because like an assigned male birth, like they talk more forcefully, like more effort right isn't it I, I think you told me that it's the people who are assigned male at birth their vocal folds close all the way but assigned female at birth don't and so that's why they sound breathier and and assigned male voices sound a little more forceful yeah it's not 100 percent of the you know people who are assigned male at birth sure 100 you know it's i think the number like the you mean it's a spectrum research. what <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> But yeah, in, in research, the numbers vary, you know, it's a range, but yeah, I think on average, it's about like 70 to 80 percent. So yeah, the majority. So what are, or what do you think are the most common pitfalls or struggles for people who are starting their voice training? Are there like similarities and things that people seem to always struggle with more than others? I think 
I always, you know, start off by telling my clients, I don't start with pitch. I know everybody wants to focus on pitch first because that's, you know, the most, how do I say it's most, the most in your face, right? The most obvious thing that that you hear when you first start talking. Right. So that's, I think for a lot of people, like I get a look (laughs) until I explain um, that every other part of voice not only contributes, but also when we work on it, it will also indirect, not indirectly, but it does work on the pitch. Just that's just our goal. And then people kind of get on board, but that's one of the, one of the things, another one, let's see, what's another comment. I don't know. Pitfall. I'd say, I don't know if this counts as a pitfall, but thinking or hoping that it's, you know, once you, go to speech therapy it's not something that you're like your voice isn't something you're gonna have to work on or think about anymore yeah yeah that's something that I always also have to kind of reiterate and emphasize throughout therapy I feel like you know for voice training I give you the tools I I give you the information but the important thing the most important thing is for you to practice by yourself and to experiment by yourself I'm really big on you have to experiment because otherwise everyone's going to end up with the same voice right that's not what we're aiming for we want you to find what feels most like you and I can tell you that you know my goal is for you to change your resonance or whatever but even within changing the resonance there's so much flexibility right yeah so I want I want my my clients to find in that space of changing resonance what sounds what to them feels like oh I like this and this feels like me so yeah yeah that was I think you're right on absolutely with with the practice because you know I practiced daily for a year after we were done and it took me all of that time to where almost all of it is second nature now but I always had to stop and think before I talked for years you know because it, it just doesn't come that easily it's really hard work and and I remember when we were going through the different techniques and I would record myself and listen back and I would be like, oh, that sounds really good. Or I'd be like, that sounds, I think I did that right, but I don't like that as much. Maybe if I pull that back just a little bit, I'll mm-hmm. like it better. So I think the experimentation is a really important thing because, yeah, we don't want everybody to sound the same. You just want to sound like what feels like you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I figure there's probably a lot of people, too, who just want it to happen right away. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, God, this is going to take me how long? Yeah. So I'm sure that's really common. Yes. The depression sets in like, oh, God, this is a lot of work. It's so much work. And you yelled a lot. I know. I know. (laughs) She's like, I don't want to practice. But also, I will say you running role playing games and having to talk for like four hours at a time really helped get you. It did help my stamina. It did? It was rough, though, for like the first year because I would get so tired and my voice would sound so terrible to me. And then you'd be all grumpy after they gave me like, I did sound right. It was so hard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's definitely a thing, too. And sometimes people, it doesn't happen that frequently, but I have had people stop in the middle of of voice training and be like hey I I need a break from this for for my mental health yeah I totally understand you know it's it's a process and it's slow process and it's something you want so badly but it's not something you could rush so yeah I get that it's 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 hard and and I I feel I feel for for my my clients too because I wish you know they they ask me is there anything 
that you can tell me anything extra that could, you know, make it go faster. I'm like, I wish, I wish I could. I wish I knew, you know, I'm always trying. I'm always adapting what I'm doing. I'm always trying to tweak it a little more to make it a little easier for my clients a little, you know. Sure. But that part I haven't been able to figure out yet, <laughs> making, it, making it go faster. Yeah, it was you get this realization early on where you're like, I want to do this and change my voice. And you're like, oh God, it's going to take me forever. And you have to really, you know, you have to really just be patient. The patience is really, really it's hard. It's like working out. It's like, yeah. yeah. Incremental pain, tiny bits at a time. Over and over. Yep. Until you get better at it. Yeah. yeah. My favorite YouTube video I always give all my clients is the the five-year voice transition yes i linked to it in one of my lessons. past ones yeah oh i love that video and i love her for putting up that video because <laughs> yeah it really does show her her progression and yeah how even after she got to a point where she was like oh yeah my voice sounds feminine sounds good like she continued to work on it and how it continued to change and somehow it sounds more natural, even though it already sounded natural. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just think it's such a great example. I'm so glad she has that video up in the world. <laughs> yeah. So one of the hardest parts for me with speech therapy was how much I had to remember before talking and it took so long for it to become second nature. And I've mentioned this before, but I came up with my own little mnemonic device to help me remember all the different techniques. And I wanted to go through them, and I was wondering if you could just give brief explanations to people on on what those things are, so they know like all of the different things that you have to work on. So my mnemonic device was disturb, spelled with an E and not a U, and the D is for diaphragmatic breathing. So diaphragmatic breathing is, yeah. I mean, it, the 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 core idea behind it is the breath support. You want to make sure that you're working with enough breath, right? So yeah. I, you know, abdominal breathing, I say you put your hands on your rib cages and try to breathe into your hands so that your hands, your, your rib cages expand into your hands. That is diaphragmatic slash abdominal breathing. Most people, that's, that doesn't come easily to them. Yeah. Most people are more used to a shallower kind of chest or shoulder movement right. sort of breathing. Yeah. So I usually tell people, lie down, put your hands in your on your rib cages and breathe in and out. And when you're lying down, most people will be using that sort of breathing, that diaphragmatic abdominal breathing. And then once you get the feel for that, then try sitting up and see if you could replicate that. And then, you know, start incorporating other things that you normally do, like brushing your teeth or taking a shower, something that you don't have to think so hard about to do while you're checking in with your breathing to see, am I still doing that? Yes, I am. Um, and, you know, eventually that turns into something that you do normally. Yeah, and it was really, see, that's one of the things that I was so surprised by because you don't think about your breathing as being part of speech, but it gives you so much more air to work with when you're talking. It made a really big difference, and it, it took me a while to figure out how to do it. Okay, so the I is for intonation. So intonation, what we what we mean by that is the, I, I just simply describe it as the ups and downs in your sentences. So. Yeah. For voice feminization, we look at increasing the intonation. So I always, my example is my name is Jane and I'm a speech pathologist. I could increase the intonation by saying my name is Jane and I'm a speech pathologist. For masculinization, typical American English intonation tends to kind of 
start higher and go lower and flatten out. Da 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 da, da is usually what I yeah what I explain it as. So my name is Jane and I'm a speech pathologist. That's more of the masculine intonation or the masculine sounding, masculine perceived intonation. And yeah, so Tilly and I worked on increasing that intonation, having more bounce. I always tell people, I don't want you to sound like you're talking to a five-year-old unless you want to, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, we, in practice, that's what we do initially because your vocal cords aren't used to stretching and moving so much. (laughs) And we got to teach your vocal cords how, you know, the feeling and, and when, when we kind of overdo it like that, then you learn the control so that you can fine tune it to get it to the level that you feel comfortable with. Just, you know, I always say a little more animated, a little more bounce is what we're aiming for usually. Yeah, th- you're right, though. It was really funny because at the beginning, it, when I was recording and listening back, it sounds like you're a kindergarten teacher or something, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> the way you're, you have to, to learn it. And so, yeah, it's really goofy. And then you get to ballet girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, okay, so now I don't know if this one applies to other people as much as it did me, but the S was for slow down because I was always going way too fast. And if you slow it down even further than normal speech, if you go really slow, you can focus on all the different things as you're speaking, which was really weird. So do, do you find a lot of people have that same issue? Yes. And, you know... I- I understand why people do it because they're they just want to speak naturally. They don't want yeah. to sound all the weird things that I, I make people do. They don't want to sound like that, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I get it. <laughs> but I'm always cueing my my clients, okay, I want you to do that again, but I want you to slow it down so that you can really listen to yourself or you can really feel for what we're aiming for. That was beautiful, by the way. I haven't heard that from you in a long time. So Yes, that is a cue. That is a, a, a real cue that I give. So yes, Tilly has heard that. <laughs> many, many times. Okay. And the T is for tongue positioning. Yes. So tongue positioning, I, I'm i going to be honest with you and say that this is a, a me thing. This is a, a Jane method thing. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't think all or if many teach teach a tongue positioning at all but for me I found that I have found that it works so and it was really helpful for me yeah okay good I'm glad (laughs) so what what we mean by tongue positioning is you know talking about the vocal tract and and resonance the space that the sound resonates in we want that to get a little bit smaller and the space Mm -hmm. that we're really looking at is the oral cavity so a lot I think when you read online about any sort of resonance they say oh bring it into your oral cavity bring it forward but the oral and nasal cavity tend to in my opinion is still pretty large so to kind of make it a little bit smaller I tell my clients to put position their tongue a little bit higher yes the back of your tongue should be pulled up so that it's touching your upper molars now we're not pushing it up so that you're talking like that, you're not pushing it up. You're just, it's just resting up there. It just, you just want to feel the, the upper molars on the sides of your tongue. Yeah, it was really weird to get used to talking that way, but it really helps. Do you, do you go the other way for voice masculinization? Do you try to get them to like drop it any, or do most people already keep it dropped as sort of the default position? I think that most people, while they're the, t- the front of their tongue, the tongue tip rests yeah. up, 
the back of their tongue doesn't. It's not completely down, but it's not completely up either. I don't usually tell people about tongue positioning when I'm working on voice masculinization. I usually, you know how we did eifying. Well, that's the next one. <laughs> yeah, that's the next one. Well, I do awifying for okay. <laughs> for voice ah, masculinization. Okay, and so in doing all, your tongue automatically has to drop. So, yeah, I don't target it specifically. Sure, you know, it's not somewhere something where you have to tell yourself to hold it in a certain position, but it you know it's indirectly talked about later on. Okay. Yeah. And then so the E is for eifying vowels or awifying. So could you explain what that means? Yes. So consonants, we can't really change the sound of consonants. <laughs> but yeah. vowels are, are where we can really change the sound and vowels are where we can really change the, the resonance. And again, the size and shape of where things are vibrating. So when we say E versus aw, why doesn't everybody try it right now? <laughs> when you go, that's right, listeners, do it at like, home. So, like, e <laughs> is like using less of the space inside your mouth mm -hmm. because and when the you go, ah, is using more of it, to, which exactly. would deepen versus. Mm -hmm. I see you're catching yeah. on. I'm getting yes. it. <laughs> when you say e, everything gets smaller in your mouth, uh -huh. right? Everything tightens; it's smaller. Versus when you go ah, your jaw drops. You have all that space, so. Uh -huh. Eifying your vowels, I guess, as an example, would be like, you know, if I spoke, let's see, what's one of our sentences, Tilly? <laughs> oh, it's been years though, I don't remember. There were so many. I had all those sheets. <laughs> um, I, what, what was one that my my clients always like? I adore the lore behind Al Gore is one that everybody really likes. <laughs> so That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> so yes. when you say it normally, it's I adore the lore behind Al Gore. Now, when we eify it, you, you tighten your, you know, you put your mouth in the position of e, e, I adore the lore behind Al Gore. It changes the sound, right? I adore yeah. the lore. I adore the lore. It's lighter. It's brighter. So that's uh -huh. that resonance change. And then for awifying, for our uh, people who want to masculinize, for awifying, <laughs> sweet dreams are made of these is, is what <laughs> I like to use. So sweet okay. dreams are made of these. If I awify it, all, all sweet dreams are made of these. So instead of these, in the video, you can see my mouth, but these versus yeah. all these. I'm not closing my jaw as much. I'm leaving a little space in there so that there's more space to resonate. Excellent. It is so cool. Isn't it? Yeah. The science with it is so amazing. Okay. So then R is resonance, which, which you already said. <laughs> Right. But if we could talk a little bit about that, because that was the hardest thing for me. And sometimes I feel like even now it still slips. You probably heard it slip in this call. And you've been very kind to not call me on it. <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, I'm not here to listen to your voice and, and, and judge, right? No, that's <laughs> so... work. That's right. <laughs> but also... I always say, right, it's not about being perfect. It's not about yep. holding something perfectly for 100%. Nobody does that. Mm -hmm. My own resonance changes, you know, as I'm talking. That's not the point. So I'm talking about pitfalls. That is something that I do see, you know, of course, it makes sense, right? It's a goal you're working towards. So people want to do it perfectly 100% of the time. And I always tell my, tell my clients, like, it's not about doing it perfectly 100% of the time. Nobody can do it 100% of the time. You know, again, like even when I'm talking, my resonance changes and I'm not working on anything. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just getting to a place where you feel like you're doing it consistently enough where the sound of your voice is, it makes you happy. So, 
that right. sorry going back to resonance right yes <laughs> yeah resonance i always say is the most important part of changing your voice and it's i break it up into stages and resonance is a stage where it usually takes the longest to achieve but it makes the biggest changes in your voice it's where your voice can actually more permanently change now permanent used loosely because if you want it to be permanent it will be permanent if you don't want it to be it won't be but resonance is you know it's where your voice or where where the sound or uh, the space space and the placing of of where the sound is vibrating it's it's how we how we manipulate the size of our oral cavity to create the sound that we're aiming for right and in voice feminization like i went through that's trying to get that feel that vibration sort of up by your lips and that was really hard for me because I don't even know I still don't I barely feel it I don't know I think a lot of people can feel it better it was really hard I'm like where is it it, it, am I doing it right yeah so yeah that the the vibration part is really difficult for people to feel and I think for like singers you know they're trained right they're trained to be able to put their voice out and all, all different like they have the chest voice and head voice and whatever I'm not a singer so I get Me neither. I get why it's hard because when I was learning it, when I was just learning oral resonance in grad school, me trying to do it was just so difficult. But yeah. essentially, when we go mm, with an M, mm, we feel the vibrations on our lips, sometimes our, our, in our nose, like anywhere in that, that face, facial area. We say, okay, we got that forward resonance. Now for voice feminization, I actually, again, I said oral cavity is still pretty large. I like to make it a little bit smaller. It's the soft palate where I usually kind of tell people to try to get the vibrations. So, so the soft palate, if you put your tongue up behind your teeth and run it all the way back, you'll notice it goes from hard to soft, right? So hard palate, soft palate. The soft palate is kind of where I like to get people to get their vibrations for voice feminization if they can feel it. It's a very subtle vibration. And then for voice masculinization, I kind of try to bring it down a little more into the chest. So I, I usually tell people, put your hand right here. And when I say chest, it's not so far down. It's actually just like right below your neck. And if you go E versus all, I think you'll really feel the, the chest vibrating more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the B was for breathiness. Oh, breathiness. <laughs> this is something that my voice feminization clients really struggle with because most don't want a breathy sounding voice, which I get. So I always kind of start off with a disclaimer, like this practice voice is absolutely not at all the voice I am aiming for, for you, unless this is what you want. Breathiness, kind of like I, I mentioned with the intonation, you know, I start off with the breathiness because like sounding really breathy, like, like talking like this. Yeah. Because, <laughs> which, as you can see, Tilly does not sound like that right now, right? No, I don't. <laughs> but you would do it, and then I would not be able to hear you ever. It was very frustrating when I was working on it. <laughs> working yeah. on it. My voice was like this. I was like, I can't. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's another, you know, kind of training step. It's to uh-huh. be able to control the breath and the airflow. I feel like most, not all, but most of my voice feminization clients come in 
not not having enough air coming out when they're speaking yeah. and it's just full vocal cord closure well again i can't really say this because i didn't look inside but like just simplifying things sure. <laughs> just simplifying things it sounds like there is not a lot of air coming through and it's all voice yeah and so we're basically teaching how teaching your vocal cords and your respiratory system you know just let out a little bit of that air while you're voicing and that'll create some of that 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 lighter kind of voice that we associate with a more feminine voice so the example i give is if so my voice tends to be actually pretty mine's more on the breathier side just normally but if i were to do kind of like this like full you know i i'm I'm really trying to be forceful like this is how i'm talking versus like yeah i really want to talk breathy and I don't know, this is my like yoga teacher voice or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Namaste, right? As someone who has never taken a yoga class. <laughs> and, then, and then there's this middle ground where the way I'm talking right now, where there is some of that lightness and, and that breath coming through, but it isn't this like pushed forceful quality. And I think that's that's that quality that people do want they don't want to do the breathiness part, which again, I get, but it, yeah. I, I teach it as a way to teach you control because I want you to be able to choose how much breathiness you want you, you can have in your voice, right? So I want you to be yeah. able to modulate instead of me getting you to a point where, yeah, we're at like a somewhere in between and we're good to go. I want you to be able to choose and you to be able to experiment with it and, and see what you like the sound of the best. Yeah, the thing the breathiness helped me the most with was not hitting the vowels in the middle of words too hard because I was I was always pushed to get the vowels out. And so the breathiness, I, I don't want to talk like that, but it helped train me to hit the vowels softer and let more air out so that it's not so forceful on every vowel, which helps with the not sounding so much like a man for me. So, okay. So I know speech therapy isn't covered by insurance for a lot of trans folks that are out there. And for reasons that I've talked about in multiple episodes of this show, trans people are much more likely to be financially strained than cis people are, and many of them can't afford it. And I see a lot of them trying to work on their own, on their voices, based on like YouTube tutorials. But I've seen some of those and I've just cringed at what they were telling people to do. And I'm so afraid people watching are going to end up hurting themselves. So I was hoping maybe you had some tips that you could give folks on how to safely practice on their own. Although maybe we should start with the damage that people can do to them. Yeah. So I think now it's pretty widely known that the, you know, the swallow hold, you know, swallow and holding your larynx up is something that can cause a lot of strain. But back when I started in the beginning, that was a very common thing that people taught. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, to raise your larynx and, and then therefore hoping to raise the pitch as well. So you'd swallow hold and as you can see like I'm trying and, and you can see that how it changes Yikes. my vocal quality yeah and that was some I'm obviously not doing it as well as some people because I have seen some trans women have you know their voices sound very feminine they sound I think it sounds great but for a lot of people that does not work that's the thing it works for some but it doesn't work okay. for others and this is one that commonly for the people it doesn't work for causes a lot of vocal strain i have had people who have practiced on their own and they and they can tell it's really you know it was hurting their their voice and so they ended up coming into speech therapy and we had to do 
normal voice therapy, not, you know, gender affirming voice training, yeah. it's normal voice therapy in the beginning so that I, we could, you know, get that strain out of, out of the throat. And then we started working on um, gender affirming voice training. So yeah, definitely strain or sometimes people will, you know, try to talk in a pitch that, you know, pitch we can raise, but it has to be gradual. And I feel like if that isn't something that the person was aware of, they will kind of start at a pitch that's a little too high for them and that causes strain as well. Those, yeah, some people will, will just end up having a lot of throat pain. So my biggest kind of take home for anybody is when you're doing these, you know, practices, practice things on your own, whether it be through podcasts, YouTube, Reddit, and just trying things on your own, if it's uncomfortable you know to the point of pain stop you're either not it's either not for you that method is not for you or you're not doing it the way that it was meant to be done because of probably lack of thorough instruction most likely because people you know they usually give instructions in a way that makes sense to them but they you know they probably haven't talked to a lot of people and and have seen like the common issues to, in a way so that they could kind of re reword their instructions. Right. So uh, if you're feeling pain, definitely that's just stop that one and, and try to try to find something else. And as a, when it comes to discomfort, I think Tilly, you could probably speak a little better to, but there are different types of discomfort, right? Like yep. there is a, I'm working hard and I'm a little fatigued sort of like my throat feels a little tired sort of discomfort and then there's actual like oh this doesn't feel right discomfort when you're practicing so I think learning kind of the difference between the two is probably going to be really helpful in in like self-practice so I don't know Tilly if you could kind of elaborate on the like this feels like I'm doing something but it's a little tired so this is my time to rest sort of feeling I don't know I think I think you ever really screw up what do you mean (laughs) I'm like go back and and she's like, no, you were doing that wrong. Oh, sure. All the time. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's important to know. Yeah. People should know that. Right. Yeah. You mess up and you, you, need you, you do things wrong. You do. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I think the best way to describe it probably, it's like any other muscle in your body where like you can tell if you're like, if you were working out or, you know, like if you're moving and your arms get super tired, you know when they're tired from use and you know the difference between that and oh my God, something's wrong with my arm. Right. This You're really hurt. For being like pulling a right. muscle versus working a muscle. Right. And and I found there were times when other stuff got in the way too. Like if I was really congested, I couldn't do it or, or it would hurt. It would feel like I was straining. There were a couple. I think there was even one time you stopped our session like five minutes in because you said your voice is strained. You're, you're, you're going to hurt yourself if you keep going. So I think the most important thing is to just, yeah, like you said, pay attention to that. And and if you're tired, if your voice is tired, your throat is tired, to rest it, not not keep pushing, because then you just are going to really mess things up. Yeah, I, I really always, you know, tell my clients, I understand that this is something that is really important to you. And I understand that you want this to happen sooner than later. But yeah pushing through the pain and you know trying to make it go faster is only going to lengthen the time of our sessions and like the the number of sessions because then we're going to have to undo the the strain and and whatever new habit that you learned so right you know always always listen to your body absolutely well thank you so much 
for being here, Jane. And thank you again for helping make my life better and making... I couldn't have made this podcast or my audiobook, which is out now, The Trans Allegories of the Matrix Begin Transmission. I couldn't have done any of those on my own without you. So, you know, where my voice used to be, I could never have stood listening to myself for that long. So you made all of this possible. So thank you so much. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's people out there, too, who are scared about even looking into voice therapy sure like they have no idea so i'm i'm thinking this is going to help demystify it a little bit I hope so. and I yeah hope so. so that because sometimes you don't even know what you're getting into right it's like it's helpful to like at least know and yeah. then be like okay let me sit with this a little bit and think about it yeah no no susan that's actually a great point because when my clients come in for an evaluation this i essentially this what we talked about in our podcast today like that's I, I give a quick like crash course of like, this is what it's going to look like. It's an, a quick mm-hmm. outline, right? Like this is what it's yeah. going to look like. Do you have any questions or do you feel uncomfortable about, it, about anything? Like that's, yeah, but that's definitely it. Like I want, I give, I give my clients kind of like the big picture first so that they know what they're getting themselves into. And if yeah. this is not something they wanted, then like they don't have to come back for the next session. You know, it's, it's, it's their choice. So yeah, you're right. It's, it's, yeah, I'm sure it demystified it for some people. <laughs> Well, I never thought that my voice could sound the way that it does now or that I would love it as much as I do. So thank you again, because you really you really did change my life for the better. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tilly. That's, those are very nice words. And, it, and to me, you know, it's just it it makes me happy and it makes all all the hard work, you know, always feel so worth it when I know that my my client, the, the person in front of me is is so happy with with the voice that they have so well i'm so glad that there are wonderful people like you out there helping make things better for trans people thank you tilly bridges and transmission tilly's trans tuesdays is hosted by tilly bridges and susan bridges with audio editing and sound mixing by Julian morgan Special thanks to Daisy and Jane for the use of Sorry Not Sorry as our show's theme music. Please stop by and show your support at daisyandjane.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash daisyandjane. You can find me at Tilly Bridges on Twitter and Hive, on Mastodon at tillybridges at mastodon.social, at facebook.com slash tillysbridges, and on Insta at heckyeahtillybridges. And you can find Susan on all of those at Susan L. Bridges. The Google Doc and social media versions of this week's topic and all past topics are available at TillysTransTuesdays.com. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>